We're in this marriage and family series, and um, as we seek to understand God's blueprint for a godly home, and the makings of a godly home are made up of individuals. I know, shocker, right? You, You have come to the right place to hear Captain Obvious biblical truths. Uh, But in the context of marriage and family, individual relationships are what make up two couples that become uh, a couple and a family and then have children and it goes on from there, right? Um, And so uh, what we're seeking is to see God continue to work in our midst and develop men and women who grow in healthy relationship with the Lord And flowing out from that would be healthy human relationships that honor the Lord. They can only flow from those who have a healthy relationship with the Lord. Now you might say, now wait a minute, Pastor Matt. I know really nice people who don't love the Lord and they've got healthy relationships. Well, there's a common grace. That means the grace of God that's given to every person on earth in some uh, level or in some form of another, right? The scriptures say that the, the Lord sends rain on the just and the unjust. That's an example of common grace, okay? Uh, but a healthy human relationship in a biblical sense must be a relationship that seeks to bring glory to God and better the life of the other individual for God's glory. Does that make sense? In other words, you can act lovingly toward someone or kindly toward someone and it not necessarily be for God's glory. And so as Christians, we do everything or we want to be doing everything for God's glory. So we look at every relationship and we say, Lord, how can you bring glory to yourself through this imperfect vessel, loving that imperfect vessel? That's what we're striving for. So when you hear me use the word healthy human relationships, I want you to just hear all that God-glorifying big parentheses built into it, okay? So every time I use a phrase like that, anything close to it, know that it's loaded with all of that meaning. I want to encourage you in your application of the principles that we are looking at each week. James 1, 22 through 25 says, Be doers of the word and not hearers only, deceiving yourselves. For if anyone is a hearer of the word and not a doer, he's like a man who looks intently at his natural face in a mirror. For he looks at himself and he goes away and at once forgets what he was like. But... The one who looks into the perfect law, the law of liberty and perseveres, being no hearer who forgets, but a doer who acts, will be blessed in his doing. He or she will be blessed in their doing. And so I want to encourage you in your application I want to encourage you to consider well the ways that God is calling you to apply these principles to your life. Now, you may say, you know what? And I said this, I don't know, last week or the week before. 
I'm not married. So it's kind of hard for me to sit up and listen to a sermon on marriage. Or I was married, but I'm not for one reason or another. And so it's hard for me to listen to a message on marriage. Or as a husband, hard for me to listen to a message for wives. Although often I find that husbands listen better to that one so they can tell their wives what to do. And wives often listen better to the sermon on husbands so they can tell their husbands what to do. Even though that's the polar opposite of how God designed it to be. But whatever the case might be, as long as you're listening (laughs) and applying, James says, then we're good. But what if you feel like you're not in a season of life and this doesn't really apply to you? I'm just going to just give you a heads up. Today's going to feel like one big parenthetical statement in the middle of a series. The entire morning probably is going to feel like a big parenthesis. So, but it's intentional. In other words, sons in the room. Guys, I want you to listen up. You ready? The best way to prepare to love your potential future wife one day is to treat your mom and sisters or your sisters in Christ with generally the same sacrificial love that God requires and enables husbands to do. Now, not every principle of husbands to wives applies to every guy in the room if you're not married, but broadly speaking, learning to grow up and live a life that is self-sacrificing for God's glory is only going to propel you forward. You're not going to feel like, oh man, all my teenage years, I grew up and sacrificed for others, and I just really don't know how to love my wife very well right now. I promise, that's not going to happen. Serve her, your mom, sister, siblings, sisters in Christ. Serve her when it's inconvenient. I mean, that's as practical practical as washing dishes, picking up your socks, putting your skivvies where they need to go. You get the idea. I mean, this is super practical. You're like, we're talking about dirty socks in church. That's right. Men, boys, that's what we're talking about. We're talking about taking up her dirty plate, this mother of yours who's just prepared dinner for you, and getting it to the sink, clean, and to the dishwasher. We're talking about opening the car door. Now wait, I thought that was just like in the 50s. Well, it doesn't have to be. We're talking about obedience that's quick and joyful. All these kinds of things. We're talking about speaking to her in a way that glorifies God and honors her. As the one who next to the Lord gave you life. I mean, these are good things. These apply to you, young men. They apply to you. Who can you serve? And that's just your mom. We haven't talked about your dad. We haven't talked about sisters in Christ in the church. 
You spend time learning how to be a godly man who loves to serve others. And in the Lord's providence, it's up to the Lord on who gets married and when and how that all, all that stuff works. That's not today, but and you'll be just fine. Love God's people with a serving, self-sacrificing heart. All of these things we're talking about in marriage and family apply to you. Older men, and I, this is relative, right? So if we see some guys in here who are 8, 10, 12, 15, 20, 25, 30, you might consider yourself an older man if you're 30, 35, 50, 60. I'll let you decide where the, where the line is. But, so it's a relative statement. Your ministry's never finished. Senior men in the church, your ministry is never over. And I say this as a younger pastor with all respect. Until the day that Jesus comes for his church, we minister the grace of God. Minister is another way of saying we serve others. We minister the grace of God. Right? We take these biblical principles that we've been talking about and walk up to a younger man and say, Hey, I'm so-and-so, and we haven't had the chance to meet or talk yet. And I just want to introduce myself to you. I've been coming to this church for a long time, and I'm glad to meet you. I want you to know that I'm here to pray for you. I want you to know that I'm here to listen to you. I want you to know that I'm here to, to come alongside of you. I'm here to challenge you, young man. I'm here to encourage you with the Bible, with biblical truths. I'm here to support you when you do well. I'm here to support you when you fail. Because I've failed before. So I'm here to support you. I'm here to share some examples of my life, good examples. The Lord lets me think of some bad examples. Times when I walked according to my own sinful nature. And I don't want you to experience that. You've got a young and beautiful family or young and single and I want to come alongside you. I want you to learn with me. I want you to learn from me. Young men. You have to pay attention who I'm talking to today. All day, whole sermon. Younger men, and again, it's relative. I'm going to give you an opportunity to lead right now. If you're a younger man and you would like to have an older man come alongside of you in the faith and invest in you and pray with you and pray for you, would you stand up for one or two incredibly awkward minutes? Because I will tell you, to grow up as a man of God in this culture takes courage. It takes fortitude. Don't look to see who's standing up first. If you're a younger man and you would like an older man to come alongside of you, I would like to ask you to stand. Amen, brother. Thank you for going first. That's right. I know that we have more than one younger man in this church who would like to be encouraged, prayed for, and supported.
Thank you. Amen. I'm going to keep talking. You keep standing. There's not an ending point to this, by the way. So if you're younger and you want support and help and encouragement, you stand anytime. Amen. I'm going to keep talking. You keep standing. Older men, this is not a theoretical conversation. The book of Titus and all kinds of other scripture is directed to very clearly and directly saying, older men, you teach younger men of the faith how to be men of God, how to walk with the Lord Jesus and how to love their wives and love their children and work hard with integrity, but keep things in the right perspective. Teach them how to be churchmen. It's an old word that we're resurrecting. Teach them how to be men who say, I'm living my life for the glory of Jesus and the work that God is doing in the local church. So older gentlemen, I'm sure there are still some younger gentlemen that are seated that are getting ready to stand. I'm not always this pushy, but we're there today. Older gentlemen, would you say, I'll come alongside of you? And if so, I want to ask you to stand and walk. Walk to one of these men and say, I'll come alongside of them. I'll pray with you. I'll share my life with you. I'll help you learn how to apply the word of God, not to be just a, a doer of the word who, who, I'm sorry, not just a hearer of the word who hears the word only, but who learns as it took me many times, many times practicing to learn to say, I'm going to be a doer of the word and help you learn how to be a doer of the word and come alongside of you. Oak Grove Church, this is what it means to be wholehearted followers of Christ who are passionate about reaching the next generations, plural. We've got to come alongside of people. We've got to pray with people. We've got to support people. Larry, would you come up here and stand with Jason? Thank you. Younger men, your knees still work and you're able. Remember, there's not an ending point to this. I'm going to pray over the, those of you who stood and those of you who said, I'm willing to come alongside of you. Okay? Church family, you may be sitting there and that's okay. You might even just sort of extend your arm out toward one of them. Or you might even desire to come up and stand around them and say, you know what? We're going to pray for them together. I want to invite you to do that right now. We're going to be moving today. So stand up and walk around someone, pray around them. Even as I pray, you can stand and move. Heavenly Father, I thank you for these young men. I thank you for these young men who desire to walk with you to increasingly learn how to be doers of the word, not hearers only. I thank you, Father, that they are standing courageously, humbly, desiring support, encouragement, and help. Father, I thank you for these men who've come alongside of them, 
physically here today, but it's got to be more than today we know. And so, Lord, I pray, Father, that you would impress upon everyone's heart here right now, especially those who are standing in particular, that they stand here today in the presence of this body, but they stand before you as those who want to increasingly learn to apply your principles by loving you and loving one another. I thank you for the work you're doing in this room. I thank you and I pray for those men who've come alongside these younger men. Use their life, use their testimony, use their successes, use their faithfulness, use their failures to encourage these younger men. Lord, our lives are not our own. Our entire lives are a testimony to your mercy and grace. And they're not ours to hold on to. They're not ours to to keep to ourselves because we're embarrassed. Lord, they're yours to be poured out. Think of the apostle Paul's language when he says, even though I am being poured out as a drink offering, may we pour out our lives, investing them in the lives of others. May we go to heaven exhausted, never to need to sleep again at that point. May we be a church that strives to reach and teach And through example, prayerful texts and phone calls, prayerful conversations, formal and informal, let's say I want to be a wholehearted follower of Jesus. Let's go after him together. Bless these that are standing now. And I know not everyone stood, and so Father, we pray your blessing on everyone here this morning. Because even as we leave from here, there's a challenge before each of us. I praise you for your faithfulness and I pray you for the praise you for your powerful working. In Jesus name I pray. Amen. Amen. Now take a minute in the group you're in. You can clap. That's good. Yep, take a minute. That's right. It's important to remember who you're standing there. Okay? Remember, this is who I need to get a phone number of. Okay? So you can have a little conversation there. Like I said, we're, we're into awkward this morning. So like, I'm all about it. Daughters in this room. Like, oh, brother. <laughs> Daughters in this room. Ladies, listen. The best way to prepare to love and respect your future husband, if that would be the Lord's leading for you, is to serve your dad, serve your mom, serve your siblings, serve those in your church family by learning how to be a great and joy-filled, purposeful helper. It's a word that 
the Bible uses to describe the work of the Holy Spirit. He is a holy helper to God's people. It is an honorable title that our culture dismisses out of hand as they shake their fists to heaven. But not God's people. We imperfectly strive to learn what this relationship of Christ's sacrificial love to the churches and the church's honorable submission and respect to the Lord Jesus looks like. Because the Lord tells us, the Apostle Paul tells us, this is how we tell the world who God is. This is how we picture it for them. You remember each, each week we have the opportunity to come up here and to, and to, to eat and to drink of the, the body of Christ that was broken for us and, and the blood of Christ that was broken or that was spilled out for us because without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sins. And so we do this each week to model, to, to, to sort of dramatize, if you will, remembering as Jesus commanded, what happened for us to be able to live this new life in Christ. Well, similarly, we, we dramatize for the world, we enact for the world what this relationship between Christ and the church and the church and Christ is like. We show them what it means through our marriages, imperfect as they are, to live like Christ, sacrificing for the church, and to honor Christ in ways that, to honor Christ as the church in ways that just, they don't, it doesn't make sense to the world. And often, let's just be honest, it doesn't make sense to us because we don't always do it very well. But, but because we don't do something very well, it doesn't mean we don't stop going after the ideal of what the Lord paints for us in the scriptures. That's what we're to do. So daughters in this room, serve your, your dad, your mom, your brothers in Christ, sisters too for that matter, by learning how to be a great, joy-filled, purposeful helper. Watch, look around. Our world is all about selfies and photos and me and how do I look and how do I compare and how do I size up? That we're so consumed with ourselves that we can't look around and say, where are the needs? Well, nobody asked me to do that. Don't wait. Initiate. Take responsibility and joy in saying, oh, that looks like an area where I can help. Well, what if I do it wrong? I will tell you, never once in my 13 years, 13 and a half, son, of being a parent, have I ever had one of my sons come up and say, hey, can I help with that? And then start doing it and then get more frustrated that they're doing it the wrong way. I'm like overjoyed that they came up and said, hey, can I help with that? And that's awesome. Ladies, similarly, look for ways, come alongside of someone and just say, hey, how can I help? Or just see a need and jump right in. Ladies, I also want to encourage you that there are others, that there are others who don't desire to go after the Lord like you might in your heart. And our goal is not to size them up, but while they're, sizing themselves up, comparing themselves, or, or trying to get guys' attention in other ways, you have the opportunity to be a leader 
The Bible never says that ladies aren't leaders. Ladies, you've got opportunities to love and to lead and to step out in faith, to go first. Encourage other young ladies. When you hear the girls gossiping and you know this is harmful and it's destructive, lead by refusing to listen. Lead by refusing to contribute. Older ladies, sisters in Christ, your ministry is never finished. Until the day that Jesus comes back for his church, you have the opportunity to minister. That means to serve others with the grace of God. To love them in Christ. To pray for them. To encourage them. To uphold them. To teach them how to live as godly women live. To be a a Titus 2 woman. A Proverbs 31 woman. Remember, we're not intimidated by that passage anymore. Older ladies, you've got the opportunity to come up to a younger lady. Remember, these are relative and say, hi, I'm whatever your name is. We haven't had the chance to meet or talk much yet. But I want to introduce myself to you, and I want you to know that I see you. I see you. I see you, and I want to help. Not because you're awful and you need help. Because we all need help. I see you and I want to come alongside of you. I want to pray for you. I'm here to to listen to you. I'm here to to love you. I'm here to share some examples from my life. Good examples. Not so good examples of how I've lived my life. I'd love to encourage you in the faith. I'd love to just read the Bible with you. Think about it together. Pray about it together. Are you open to that? Younger ladies, if you'd love love to have an older woman in the church, an older woman in the faith, come alongside of you to encourage you, to pray with you, and for you, to invest in you, would you stand up? For one or two incredibly awkward minutes. You've had time to prepare. Thank you. Amen. Amen. But still all the same, you're on your feet. Stay standing. I know it's uncomfortable. I praise God for you. Older ladies, this is not a theoretical conversation. Younger ladies, you still have the opportunity to stand. Although I am going to be a little nicer to you than I was to the men. But, you know, you could help me by just standing. Thank you. Older ladies, here are some women who have said, I would love to have an older woman come alongside of me. This is not dishonoring to you because you're older. You have a crown of glory on your head and a lifetime of experience to share 
with these younger ladies, to come alongside of them, to pray for them, to champion them in the way that, they, I mean, in a way completely opposite to how the world wants to depict that they are supposed to live. Women of God, you have a, a, an opportunity that is incalculable to come alongside of them, to encourage them, to champion them when no one else will, to support them when marriage is hard, because marriage is hard, you know. Will you help us be a church of wholehearted followers of Christ by investing in the next generations? It's not just a, a vision statement that looks good on a business card or on the wall that we aim to reach and teach and live out what it means to be wholehearted followers of Christ. This is living it out right here. Younger ladies, you're still welcome to stand. The hardest part is walking up and saying, or, or actually sometimes uh, if it's not a setting like this, because this is super easy, but like in a harder setting, right? That was a joke. But anyway, uh, when the room is full of people and we're all hanging out after church or before church, to make eye contact to someone that you don't know from across the room in a way that says, I'm coming to talk to you, right? I mean, you don't have to be like, I'm coming at you. But you know what I'm talking about. You make eye contact and then you avert. Because what happens if we look at each other too long? That's the hardest part, starting to walk that way. Is she coming for me? Is she coming to talk to me? I don't know what to do. You just stand there and smile. Your smiling is a pretty good start. Ladies, will you come alongside one of these younger ladies? Older ladies, if you're willing, I'd ask you to stand and I'd ask you to walk toward a younger lady. Look in the front, look in the back. Amen. Praise God. Thank you. Now, if you're nervous about this, right? I mean, just get up and go. Get up and go. Amen. Keep going. Amen. Amen. Keep going. It doesn't have to be a one-to-one -one ratio. If somebody's standing, let's church. Let's make sure somebody's around them. Amen. Amen, sister. Thanks for walking up. Roxanne Irvin, would you come up here, please? And I'm sorry, because I still want you to be my friend. <laughs> would you pray over these ladies? I'm just going to give you my mic. It's okay. You can just hold it. Okay. <laughs> wow. Let's pray. Father God, we are just so humbled, and I am, it's beyond words that I'm grateful for these ladies that are willing to come come alongside these other ladies, Lord, and, and Lord, as women, we are so relational, but there are things in our hearts that are, we sometimes are hesitant to share, 
And sometimes we're afraid to ask for things, Lord. But, Lord, we are called to serve one another. We are called to uh, live out what it means to be a wholehearted follower of Christ, Lord, and becoming mentors and sharing our lives together, Lord. This is why you designed the church. This is why we're brought together, Lord. And so, Lord, I ask for a special blessing on these ladies that have taken the courage and to take the first step. Lord, I pray for the ladies that are willing to come alongside. And, Lord, I ask for a blessing on them. Lord, I pray that you will guide them. And, Lord, I just pray that you will continue to grow us and help us to serve you. We love you, Father. Thank you for... We thank you for Pastor Matt and, and for Sherilyn for serving our church so faithfully. Thank you for these guide, the guidance and thank you for your word, Lord. Most of all, Lord, we thank you for your son, Jesus, who provided a way for all of us. And we ask this in a heavenly name. Amen. Take a minute with the ones you're standing there. You're going to want to communicate with them in the future. I want you to see that as we talk about much of the Bible, as we talk about marriage and as we talk about family, this is applicable for everyone. Different contexts, to be sure, but for everyone. The only way to make it through a series like this and think, oh, that didn't apply to me, is to wait for me to say your name before 90% of what I'm going to say, which I'm just not going to do, which I know you're thankful for. We're out of time, but I want to show you one thing that's going to be a preview for our sermon next week. Sometimes... Sometimes we're thinking something like, Lord, do a work in the lives of people in our church family. Lord, encourage younger women in the church. Lord, encourage younger men in the church to, to stand for the faith, to walk with the courage of conviction. But we, we don't say it. We maybe say it in environments that are safe, In other words, I don't mean that you're cowardly. What I mean is when you're talking with your friends or your small group or your Bible study and together you talk, you speak well of the future generation and younger ladies and, and how it's hard to live in this world as a younger lady or guys talking about younger men. And you think well of them. In fact, you love them and you want the best for them. You want the Lord's will for them and you want them to be encouraged but then at times our own insecurities get in the way of us communicating that love. Proverbs 27, Proverbs 27, 5 through 6 says, Better, now the Proverbs, Proverbs uses, I don't know if it's 30, but something like that, uh, comparisons that are sort of like this, sort of like a better better than kind of comparison. Better open rebuke than hidden love, right? This is better than this. Faithful 
are the wounds of a friend. Profuse are the kisses of an enemy. Rich Thompson and Nicholas Ellen and, and others have described this as four styles of relating. You won't find these exact expressions in the scriptures, but it's a way of helping us understand what that is. In order, down this verse, is open and unloving. In other words, right, open rebuke. But sometimes, uh, rebuke, and in this context, it means an open and unloving, unkind rebuke. Rebuke often is very positive. In this context, it's talking about an open, inconsiderate rebuke. Better is open rebuke than hidden love. In other words, it's better for someone to tell you, even in the wrong way, maybe even with the wrong motive, what they think of you or what you need to change or what you need to address, than someone that has love that's concealed. Isn't that interesting? Faithful are the wounds of a friend, open and loving, than the profuse kisses of an enemy, closed and unloving. Let's put them in order of importance. What's best to worst? This is our goal. Number one is everybody's goal. To be open and loving. Faithful are the wounds of a friend. I had a pastor in, when I was in college. And I'm not going to talk for very long here, but I had a pastor in college. And I was young in ministry and I was learning a lot. I had a lot more to learn. And I had some people share some things with me that were actually true. But they were super ugly about it. Uh, let me tell you, my memory serves well here. <laughs> and you know, I was talking with my pastor about it. I was kind of like licking my wounds, you know. Oh, how mean. I just want to serve God. And these people were not nice. And blah, 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 blah. Me, 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 me. And he said, Matt, you have got to learn how to Hear what people say. Discard at times their method of delivery and their motive, which you can't discern. And take what they said to the Lord and say, Lord, show me if there's one ounce of truth in this. And then if there is, you've found gold. Focus on that. And give the rest to the Lord. Those were some of the most encouraging words from an older man in the faith to a younger man in the faith that I have ever heard. Open and loving. It is better to be loving of others, but also we're called to be open with it. How discouraging would it have been if, if these folks stood up today and they knew people in this church loved them. They knew people in this church, men and women loved them. But nobody was willing to stand up and communicate, I'm here and I love you and I'm standing with you. Second would be open 
and unloving, an open rebuke with ungodly motives. Third would be closed and loving. I mean, let's love people. Let's not be closed about it, but that's still even better than being closed and unloving. In other words, I see somebody that's about to walk into danger, and I am not going to say anything about it. How unloving can you be? How hateful can we be? So as a church striving to reach, teach, and live out what it means to be wholehearted followers of Christ, we need to strive. And you say, well, I'm not very good at speaking. Well, then are you going to love yourself or are you going to love others more than yourself? Set aside your, your, uh, your, your oh, insecurity because you can grow in that and put yourself out there and say, I'm going to learn how to encourage people. I'm going to practice on you. Can you tell me how I do? We're going to learn to be a church family. We need to, in some ways we already are. Open and loving. I love someone enough to tell them the truth, to inflict a wound with love. And say, I love you. But if you continue this pattern of insecurity, you're going to destroy your marriage. If the security of, of who you are in Christ depends on, on how well, or excuse me, if your security depends on how well your husband loves you, and you do everything to please him rather than Jesus, you'll ruin your marriage. Vice versa to men. Man, you, you've got a good, strong work ethic. You're a family man. You're at most of the games. But in all of this, you're not sitting down and, and in some way at least opening your Bible and praying with your family, praying over your family so that they can hear you. It doesn't matter if you can pray well or not. You can pray. And to do all of this and to do nothing. And then to have a, another man come alongside of you and say, you know what? I didn't do this well. In fact, I didn't do it at all. And I'm learning now. Praise God that he's faithful. But young man, prioritize the word with your family. Don't be so caught up in work providing for your family, which is good and godly, that you ne neglect the very open love God has called you to as the leader of your family. Let me encourage you in that. Let me challenge you in that. That's a wound, a loving wound. 